is film like milk. Yes. It's got culture in it. And it's. Mm. Damn it. Leche. <laughs> Whole milk, skim milk, medium milk. I have nipples, Greg. Could you milk Could me? Could you milk me? Welcome back to Age Like Milk, the podcast where we talk about movies that have gone bad in the mind fridge of your mind. My name is Paris Herbert Taylor, and with me as ever is my co-host, David William Rogers. Hello, David. Hello. How are you today? I'm great. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling excited to talk about this movie. We are getting some listeners from around the world. It's making me so jazzed because it means that people are finding us and that our humor is not just located to America, Australia stuff. <laughs> so shout out to all our new listeners in Germany, in Norway. We see you. We appreciate you. Thanks for uh, listening and hopefully telling all your friends about our weird little podcast that we've got going on yeah. um, where we talk about movies, like I said. So David, mm-hmm. what is our movie today? The movie today is Broadcast News 1987, directed by James L. Brooks, and the screenplay was also written by James L. Brooks. I do not know what L stands for. I'm thinking it's like Larry, like James Larry Brooks. That would be Lewin. Lewin, yeah, James well, like, Lewin Brooks. That's those yeah. are two dope names. So yeah, I like the mystery that we don't know, but um, I like it too. I'm interested. The L is very like hmm. Yeah. What, what do hmm. we? What's the flavor what here? Is that? Maybe there is no name. Maybe it's just an L, and maybe his parents it's, just threw it in there to be silly. Maybe it's lemon cake. Oh, maybe it is. Wow. Which is, <laughs> if you've been on our show, is our is our clap slash uh, sync up word. I don't really know mm-hmm. how it came about, but David and I both love lemon cake. So for our one year podcast anniversary, we're definitely gonna get one and eat the shit out of it. Yeah. But. David William Rogers. So that's the film. We also have a wonderful guest joining us today who we're going to throw to in just a minute. But before we do, whose turn is it to do the synopsis? That, I believe it is mine. That would be you. I did the okay. uh, the Castle Australian movie. Australia. Um, fine. So I'll do it. Basically, Broadcast News is a movie about a woman who's like super badass producer. And then the, we've got this one sexy anchor guy. And then we've got this like dorky... Uh, reporter guy and it's a bit of a love triangle and our main actress is holly hunter she does a fantastic job she's basically a working woman she's like running around and she's got this like moral dilemma because news is going to like sensationalism and she's more of like a true journalist you know like she doesn't believe in a journalist inserting themselves into the story things happen she's kind of pulled between her friend who's like the reporter guy and then this like hot anchor man and then she ends up with neither of them spoiler alert sorry i just ruined the whole movie for you but lots of sexual tension lots of talk about like what is the news and lots of like behind the scenes of what is uh what goes into making making the news and i'm excited to do this movie because our guest worked at cbs for 10 years he actually just uh, just left recently and is now pursuing a new adventure. Welcome to the podcast, Sean Galitz. What up, what up, what up? <laughs> I am. Wah, wah, wah. Uh, thank you guys for having me. I'm glad we could yeah, uh, we could kind of cap off my my broad my own broadcast news experience over ten years by chatting about one of arguably the best movies about television news out there. Uh, Nice. At least in the industry, a lot of people will point to that as, as one of, one of the ones that everyone kind of says. You know, if you want to get into news or you like news or anything else, 
that's where you go see this film so before we jump into the movie let's talk a little bit about you and your career sean how did you get involved into broadcast news so i fell into news and broadcast news through politics um i'd been in dc a lot and um my first television kind of experience was interning at meet the press which is a sunday one of the sunday talk shows that's very popular and been it's actually the longest running tv show ever um it's been running since like the 40s or 50s um and i was there the day i started there was the day barack obama won the iowa caucus in 2008 so i was there for the whole like spring semester of the 2008 campaign which was obama and hillary john mccain coming back literally from the dead in his campaign and getting the nomination you know all the way through that and so my background before that had been politics and when i got to meet the press i realized holy shit i can like be in politics but also not have to pick a side not have to pick a candidate not have to pick a campaign i can just be the referee and tell good stories and report what's going on and help inform everybody so that got me hooked and uh after a a grad school stint and a stint in the mailroom at NBC in DC I landed at CBS yeah just over 10 years ago and have been doing stuff there for the last 10 years in a multitude of different jobs um, many of which I recognized in this movie um, I was gonna ask you who you felt the most closely aligned to in the film like who really has kind of your job when you're looking at this movie Holly Hunter by far um, as Jane Craig, yes. the, 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 the character Jane. Everyone's always yelling, Jane, Jane this, Jane that. <laughs> it's great. Okay, good. So you're the Jane. Um, I'm Jane, just not quite as crazy as Jane sometimes. But you don't, get to work, you don't get to work early and unplug your phone and then cry for five minutes? I have cried at work. Yes, that has happened. Okay. It okay. may not be, have been at work. It may have been out at a wildfire at two in the morning and I don't know my name. Or something like that. What, it, it, what do they say in the movie? Um, like, you got to quit before you can still cry at work. Something like that. I think yeah. uh, Albert Brooks. And then, he, and then he's like, Alden I should have quit that. three years yeah, ago. Yeah, I should have yeah. quit three years ago. Um, Sean, yeah. I had an interesting question for you. Mm-hmm. So out of all the movies, like, so Paris can probably say this with writers, producers. You know, when you click up with a group of people, you guys, you act a certain way, right? And act how writers or actors are portrayed in Hollywood or how salespeople are portrayed in Hollywood, right? Scientists, astronauts. But for me, every time I see people that are in news, it's all really similar how they are portrayed in Hollywood. Would you say this movie is pretty accurate that way with just in general how these people in news and uh, media act like on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, it's funny. When I I hadn't seen the movie in a while, so when I suggested it, it was honestly because I just wanted to watch it again and have a reason to. Mm. I loved how they set it up in the beginning, showing all of them as kids, um, and then and them as adults. Right? It was a really good, interesting way to do it because a lot of it is personality-driven, kind of where you end up in in the news business and. Um, I think broadcast news did a good job of, of getting the overall idea, right? Like, it's, an, it's definitely a caricature because it's a movie, right? Like, and not everyone's going to fit neatly into each of those, you know, the anchor and the reporter and the producer roles. There are dozens of other network TV jobs. Those are just three big ones that everyone knows, so 
you can make a movie about it. No one's making a movie about a line producer, you know, who sits in the hmm. control room every day, you know, and stuff like that, unfortunately. Maybe they should. <laughs> they they should, because those people are important too. But, um, yeah, I don't think... I think the way that they portrayed each of those roles was, wasn't, uh, I guess, uh, what's the best way to put it? Was not uh, egregious, right? So I didn't have any mm-hmm. issues with kind of how they did it. I found it funny. And yeah. you, you go through a scene and you're like, oh, I've done that. Like, or mm. or I know someone who who's acted like that or, you know, everything else. So... Yeah. yeah one of the early scenes in the film is like she's got this news report and it's like a minute and a half until it's supposed to go on the air and she's like adding it and then someone's running it's Joan Cusack's character is like running through the station to get it there on time <laughs> and they're all freaking out and then as soon as it makes it on the air like with one second to spare they're like great news great news yeah, yeah like that is very every day. dramatic every day that, every day that's okay as I was watching this I'm like oh this movie's gonna be funny right and it's like listed in some of the stuff I saw as a, like a satire, somewhat yeah. of a rom-com. And yeah, that scene with Joan Cusack, she's sliding on her knees. She jumps over the uh, yeah. lady she and almost gets like she, she jumps over a little kid. Yeah, yeah she, she runs into the bubbler and she's got like a little limp. Um, and I was like, okay, this yeah. so, <laughs> kind of sucked also, me in a little more. But Joan Cusack, though, like physical comedy, like so good. Yeah, she's so she cr- good. Yeah, she crushed She's it. so much taller than Holly Hunter. And there's like <laughs> one scene where she hugs her and you realize like she's like two times as tall as Holly Hunter. It's amazing. <laughs> so just to take you guys behind the curtain, obviously this isn't the late 80s. So we're not cutting tape and then running tape down the hall and like putting it into a different thing and pressing play and that makes air. It's all digital now, but... I'm, we're out in LA and we have to still get our stories to New York before air. There have been multiple times where, you know, you're, it's, we're feeding the piece two, three minutes before it's actually going to be on a national broadcast. Um, and we're, you're always editing and tinkering and, and updating and stuff as much as you can before it goes to air so that you have kind of the best possible product. Um, so Watching that gave me, you know, gave me the same physical reaction of just, you know, you don't know if it's going to make it or not, but (laughs) I've never (laughs) learned the value of a minute, like how long an actual minute is until you work in news. The things that I have been able to do in one minute's time, like the amount of work is something that you, I don't think anyone can do unless you have that pressure. 100%. Sean, did you know that I worked in news for a hot second? I feel like I've, have I feel we, like I've seen a clip of you we, with a microphone. Yes. Doing something. Oh, things. yes. Paris Herbert Taylor, first claim to TV fame was at Rogers Community Channel in Toronto when I lived up there in Canada. I was an on-air reporter and I had to do six-minute live segments, which was nuts. And then I also used to have to, I, I mean, essentially it was like a volunteer service where you would like go and you, but you would get to like learn everything. So all these people like me were there, you know, giving like a couple days a week or whatever. And I was also in the switching booth. I did switching. I did directing. It, it was cool. Like shout out to Rogers TV, like in the mid 2010, 15, like, you know, they just gave us so many opportunities. Like I got to touch cameras. I got to learn how to PA like a live show where you're counting every second, like you said, cause you know, the, the ad breaks are coming up or whatever. So um, I did know a little bit about this, but David, you've never worked in news. I have not. I've been on the news a few times. Oh. Once recently, um, Sean produced a story that I was in and interviewed me. 
Okay. Uh, yeah, and you know, it it was a great experience. How the mm-hmm. professionalism that this man brings, early morning, knocks on your door, shows up with the with the camera guy. What was your what was your camera guy's it's name? My, Carlos. My buddy Carlos. Yeah. Carlos, great dude. Carlos. He's a, he's a Midwest cat as well. Oh, hey, Carlos. Uh, What's Chi-Town. up, yo? Exactly. Shout out to your boy. Very professional. He lit me well. Sean, you know, the, the, well, the two, two guys just made with me that, look with right With that on head camera. of yours, exactly. you got to get the lighting you so can't perfect. can't have it glisten. It's a shiny funny, dome. Yeah. You know, so it, it was a cool experience. Um, and just great. A, I, you know, I got to see my guy work. And, you know, Sean's a oh, friend of ours. We live in the same building. And it, it was cool to, to watch him do his thing. I, I've I feel like, yeah, so Sean's, like, a really good friend of me and David's, and I feel like he's so low-key about, like, what he does. Like, also, I mean, this is obviously pre-pandemic, but I feel like every fucking other day I'd be like, hey, Sean, we're all going to go get a drink this week. And he'd be like, yeah, I'm off to Tobago. Or, like, <laughs> yeah, I got to go to, like, I'm flying to Chicago at 4 a.m. And, yeah. and then I'll be, but I'll be back on Friday at 2. I'll so be then, in like, Hawaii Fred- covering yeah. the volcano. Yeah, because you went to Australia and did the wildfires when that was the craziest part of 2020. Doesn't that feel like a million and a half years ago. Yeah, I forgot um, about that. That's how much yeah. cool shit or crazy yeah. stuff Sean does. Yeah, so yeah. I'm, I was definitely more of a field cat than a house cat uh, as far as production and stuff. <laughs> I love yeah, that. Yeah, so I was... I, <laughs> Can't keep me inside. I'm not wearing a <laughs> well, bell. There's, there's just you. different kinds of producers. There's catching producers who will be, you know, who will be in that control room running around cutting everything up. And then there's people like me who will also shoot and go out in the field and we just get launched out of a cannon and go anywhere we're needed for... And that's Jane, that's like Jane's character too, right? Holly Hunter's character in this. Like she's in South America. So she did a little bit of both, right? Like you, she was okay. like getting shot at in South America doing that stuff. But then what she was doing was more featurey stuff. So they would go shoot it, bring it back, and then put it all together themselves. When there's a wildfire or a volcano, there's a whole team that goes out. And then we're feeding all that stuff back. And then there's a whole nother team that's helping put it together in a collaborative way uh, and all that stuff. And David, what you don't know is you saved that piece because we were looking for a character who is just as attractive and articulate as you to talk <laughs> to talk about semiconductors. Oh, oh well, stop, but also I don't keep... remember getting a knock on my door. I am also attractive yes. and know about semiconductors. Please I don't know stop, shit. but keep talking. Keep going. <laughs> I don't actually know anything about games, so <laughs> I would have been like staring off into space, like yes, that, absolutely. Um, but you raise a very valid point, so let's talk a little bit about how we think the news was portrayed in this movie compared to today. We already sort of covered; it's very similar. Obviously, a major thing that has aged like milk, like you said, is they are cutting on actual tape. There is no digital stuff, and there's a no cell phones. So if you're not at your desk getting the call at the time, it feels like in the 80s, like news could be happening. And you if you miss the call, like you wouldn't know. Right. Yeah, I think um, the speed at which information is disseminated to people is is light years past where it was in the 80s. Um, and obviously the places where you can get the news has multiplied exponentially between your phones and computers and your smart watches or your, you know, all this kind of stuff. And so there is, there's a, there's pros and cons to that. Maybe we can get into that later, but, uh, it's really interesting. No, get into I it now. Get tell into us. it now. Cause I, I yeah, was going to, I, I want to ask something quick. But um, before we do that, I got to just got this booty, <laughs> booty sweat. Where'd you get the booty sweat? I got it back in Danang. You know, I did. <laughs> yeah, so, I you think know Sean, where I got it, David. I think Sean covered 
uh, war story what? there at in some Da Nang point. Yeah. with the booty sweat, with the booty, the booty sweat. sweat walls of yep. 2012. <laughs> I um, have been Sean is, if you hear the ice clinking, by the way, that's Sean. What are you drinking? A Manhattan? Uh, I'm drinking a Manhattan to celebrate my 10 year career having now, yeah. having now closed and go, going on to something else. Yeah. We're pour, pouring one out for Sean's 10 year career. But no, that, what's that? Oh, no, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say the clinking of the glass and the ice that calls all the field cats in at the end of the yeah. day. But, um, so you're, you're talking about news and the pros and cons. So that's what I was going to ask you. As, as of right now, we're still kind of trying to gauge and navigate this world of being able to jump on your cell phone, get all this access to the outside world, get all these news stories. Um, some are you know completely accurate. Some maybe just be like clickbait. So right now we we still may be in the process of like kind of cutting off some of the fat with having this great technology and getting back to a place where it's more um, direct news from good sources and people that are reliable. So right now though, do you think like compared to um, how it, news was back then, where you saw what Holly Hunter was fighting for? Uh, we just got to present the news. We can't fake it, right? So do you think right now we're kind of in a weird spot where there is a lot of good information but also false information because it can be thrown out there so fast and it's not maybe fact-checked or re, uh, researched as much? I, I, think, I think we have to go back a little bit further than the 80s to really think about this question because I've thought about it a lot, especially on like where I'd want to work and everything else. So Back in the, even in the 60s, right, like you've got the presidential debates between Kennedy and Nixon being televised for the first time. There's there are only three places you could watch that. There's the three broadcast networks, right? CBS, NBC, ABC. And if you look at if you if you look at how many outlets you had and you you look at polling, like public opinion polling on things, there's a very clear and direct like correlation between the fact that people trusted those three sources, they were getting the same facts on all three every night. The real question was, do you like, which anchor do you like more? Do you like Walter Cronkite more? Mm. Or do you like one of the other guys more, right? It wasn't, you know, the, the, the information was the same. The facts were the facts. Everyone agreed on the facts, which is a problem now. Cause, but it was like, yeah. it was it was like the personality of like who's delivering it. Sure, right? and then and, and then sometimes it's the stories. Like some some outlets would, you know, some networks would tell different stories than others, and it's that's what that's how you play the game. That's how you try and get viewers over and everything else. So fast forward to the '80s and '90s, cable news comes around, and now you've got these 24-hour machines pumping out information all day. I, I am of the opinion that there isn't 24 hours worth of actual news every day, mm. but you have to fill that time. So what you start getting is people just yelling at each other and opinionated just kind of talk about the news. And then as a profit model becomes apparent in the news, advertising and everything else, you have to make it entertaining. So the news went from just a public service back in like the 60s and 70s as, as a way to inform the public. And then they would go out and talk to each other. And everyone was much closer together back then as far as what people believed, right? But as you yeah. bifurcate the amount of places you can get the news and you, you think about how much opinion got injected into it, that's where you're starting to see uh, all of this information get, get muddled up and, and muddied, muddy the waters. Now, with the internet, with social media networks, with uh, outside actors whether they're internal or external, 
folks, they now know how to weaponize the internet and weaponize information to get a narrative out that may be true or not true or dangerous. Totally. And Which is totally. It. It's a huge yeah, issue. Because that, that filters into people's everyday lives. And I would rather have, I just want, just give me the facts. And then I'm going to think about it and that's, then that's we can not, discuss. That's not what people, like, that's not what sells now. It's almost yeah. like, you know, like when we talk about like Fox News versus like CNN, like with with Trump and with, you know, him sort of calling out things as fake news. I mean, I hate to say that, like, I agree with, with anything with that guy says because I don't. But I do think that he made me realize that there were way more biases in, in the news than I I noticed, you know, and like people putting their spin on it. I'm thinking of Tucker Carlson, for example, who has this like massive cult following and just, you know, has his almost like his own brand sort of take on the news, right? Like I'm trying to think of like other people that, that like you brought up Walter Cronkite from back in the day, like, you know, just these, these, it's almost like a personality spin on what is the facts. And I agree with you, David, like I almost just want like a scientific like data where it's like without the humanistic point of it. Mm -hmm. But Sean, you work in the news, like, you know, you have to kind of get people to connect with yeah, it. Yeah, and I, because I was at CBS, I was at one of these, you know, original networks. I didn't have a, a cable network to feed or to throw things at the wall at and, and everything else. But one one interesting thing for anybody listening here, especially in the U.S., go to CNN, go to your TV guide, go to CNN, go to MSNBC, whatever, and look at the descriptions of the shows for all day, it'll say news, and then at five or six o'clock, it'll say opinion. Like when Hannity comes on, when everybody else comes on, like Rachel Maddow or Don Lemon or you know Anderson Cooper, those aren't technically quote unquote news shows. They're opinion shows to talk about the news. Nobody is making that differentiation, which is why you're getting people siloed into these thought, you know, these thoughts and these feelings and these these dangerous ways that we see each other because you're not getting it from anywhere else. And it's being programmed in a way to make you upset. Some of those people are doing their actual own reporting now too. Right. So they're bringing, they're coming up with their own stories. They're researching it. Like for instance, I know like Rachel Maddow does it a lot. Tucker Carlson, I'd probably, I'd never seen his show, I mean, but I'd assume he does that. Well, Anderson Cooper, I know there's like special reports by Anderson Cooper. Like he to me seems like Tom from this movie, right? Like he's like, an attractive guy with the personality. I'm sure he's much smarter than Tom is in this movie. <laughs> Tom even is like, I can't write. I'm stupid. Like he's basically like, the, like you said, Sean, that opening scene when he ki- when he's a kid, he gets like all C's and D's, and he's like, I try so hard. And his dad's like, I know you do. Like it's bad. Yeah, yeah it's interesting because you. What I find is even with Rachel Maddow or Don Lemon or or any of these people, they will spin the facts however it suits them for their audience. You know, right. I mean, that you can present the same facts in, in different ways to help your narrative. I mean, with Rachel Maddow during the Trump administration, every single day was Trump's last day in office because something crazy hmm. had happened that day that disqualified mm-hmm. him from being president. Right now, it's Hannity and Tucker Carlson those guys doing the same thing this, to Joe Biden. And it's interesting. It's interesting with word choices too. Like really the word choices are so important with how they're presenting information, whether it's whichever side left or right that you fall in. And I'm reminded of an, a scene in this movie when, uh, 
J- uh, Jane is a young girl. It's like before she's like typing letters to her pen pals or something. And he's like, you're becoming obsessive. Her dad like stops her. And then she comes, she str- strides over to him and she's like, obsessive is too. And she gives like the definition of obsessive. And she's like, as you can see, I left the desk and like, I'm here. And like words matter. So I'd really appreciate if you could, li-. but it's true. Like in news, you could literally change the tone of a story by saying, you know, she was obsessive about it instead of she was concerned about it. Like those are two very different um, themes, right? That we're And in real life, I mean, any story that gets on a national news broadcast on, on any of the networks, not cable necessarily, I don't know how they do it, but it goes through legal, it goes through a whole legal team, it goes through standards, it goes through like rights and clearances to make sure we can use the footage. It It is vetted by probably at least a dozen people if not more plus all the producers and everybody reading it and and you know we will go back and forth on one word here or there to make sure it's the most accurate uh and descriptive way to to tell what's going on so and when you guys do that you rarely make mistakes you rarely have to i assume like i've only there's probably a minimal amount of time you guys would have to do any kind of retraction right or correction because you guys have that standard in place where you go through all these jump through all these hurdles to make sure what you guys are presenting is factual and the hard work that goes into that like that's what i appreciate and that's kind of one and now i can make up my mind now me as a just an average citizen can be that person with my opinions now and i just feel like the way this country's gone um and how these audiences were created, right? You got the left and the right. So you got like Tucker Carlson's audience and you got Rachel Maddow's audience. So like, I'm kind of interested how these two audiences were created because they each have their own brand. So like who, who did it first? Like where were these audiences like created that now only I have to talk to my audience because at some point people are trying to pull people in one direction or another, right? Um, trying to make that audience, trying to wave their hands and say, wait, no, you guys come look over here and come listen to what I have to say. So I, I'm kind of interested, um, you know, how that came to be and with the division in this country is pretty glaring um, with people pick one side or the other or pick that opinion or the other and they'll soak up anything that person says. Most people want to read or listen to things that they already agree with. Most people don't go out seeking information that is uncomfortable to them or that they disagree challenges right yeah that's really that's really interesting i know that's just something you're sort of saying but like that is a very important point to make right like i'm not logging into to tv programs where they're you know talking shit about immigrants because i am an immigrant you know what i mean so like i'm not gonna sit through a a piece that makes it look like people like me are ruining this country, which is incorrect. Right. And I think if you Fox news was created or, or shortly after they saw a space for more conservative angle of the news. Um, So it's a business. It was, yeah. It's tapping into, so yeah, they went that way. And then what you saw is CNN and MSNBC later on, try and carve out their own places too i mean there's only so many people in the u.s that are going to watch cable news and Mm. and you know there aren't more i don't think there are more people sitting at home at night watching cable news right so there's only so many i mean truth sean you're you're you know you're a former you worked at cbs for 10 years david so this question is just for you pretty much where do you get the majority of your news um 
me, I, me, this guy, this I try David? to get it from different sources. So I do sometimes listen to like the talking heads, as they would say, like podcasts, stuff like that. Try to see how other people think about things. Um, so I do sometimes try to search out, you know, why bald people are ruining this country just to see right. how the other side thinks. Are bald people sexy as hell? Exactly. Yes. Yes. Two or sides of the same coin. No, like no. what's happening? And I'm going yeah, right, to, so right. sometimes I, it's probably like 10% of what I actually like look for, but I do like to kind of see other people's opinions to try to keep myself in check. Cause I, I know that there can be a confirmation bias, but um, so I'll listen to like, I'll watch CBS, especially if I know like Sean's got something coming up. Um, mm-hmm. Cause I have that just, on it's also about your cable package too like i cut the cord years ago so mm-hmm. what came with my tv i can watch cbs uh for free right and i can listen to my podcast for free and then right. when i'm in my car i can listen to like msnbc cnn because i have xm radio that i pay like five bucks a month so right. these are the kind of things that um first of all what's available to me but i don't read a lot of news i like listen right. take it in or have it on in the background um whether i'm like listening to, like something on the stock market or there's an interesting guest on a podcast and this is kind of like how I dip my toes in the the news or like watch Bill Maher on a Friday night because it's a little I, bit of comedy in you, there as well. I get most of my headlines and stuff from like probably social media, if I'm being completely honest. Like I'll see something on Instagram and then I'll go, you know, someone will post a tile about something, something happened. And I'm like, what the fuck? And then I will go and deliberately seek it out and I will type it into Google and then I will read the, you know, Washington Post article or whatever the sort of, you know, top kind of articles are about it. Twitter as well, you know, we talk about like how Facebook became this like huge problem, you know, with misinformation being spread, but I can see it because like, I am someone that is very guilty of that. You know, I don't mm-hmm. have a subscription to the New York times. Um, I will read entertainment news on deadline or variety, but that doesn't always give you a clear look into what's happening in the world. So, you know, Sean, does it surprise you to hear that like, you know, there is this trend going more towards like social media or podcasts or whatever. No, I think what's interesting is I think most people, a majority of people are like you both, but what, what it, what I tend to look at it as everyone's getting the headlines all day. It's hard to have a cell phone in your hand and not be getting regularly updated with really important big news that's happening. Right. Like you're going to get that alert. Someone's going to send, you know, you're going to see it somewhere. Right. So, the issue with the, the, the interesting thing with the evening news now is you don't have millions of people sitting down for dinner together at 630 at night mm-hmm. to watch the evening news and, and really learn what's happening. I would say a majority of the people already know what's happened. They want either more context or they want to, they, you know, they in that way. So I think part of what the news business needs to do now is reinvent or, or, or reestablish or rethink about how they want to tell stories, what toys, stories they want to tell and what audience they want to serve. Because you can, you can just pretend no one's been, everyone's been living under a rock all day and then they get up at 6.30 and watch you so it's all brand new. Or you can say, this is a highly intelligent audience. They probably know 80% of what happened. Let's give them that quickly and then let's tell them why it matters. Let's give them the context. Let's give them a voice they wouldn't hear otherwise, you know, that kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. But from a media from a media diet standpoint, because you both brought up interesting points, I'm going to be going through this myself. You have to have, in my opinion, a couple different sources you trust. If you trust a source, 
whether it's the New York Times or if there's a podcast you like or NPR or any of that, like you have to have those places where you can go on a daily basis just to get kind of read in. And then you, Mm -hmm. as much as you can possibly just like look out for other places to seek out information and just educate yourself. You're not going to educate yourself on everything, but if there's something that's interesting in the world that happened and you find it interesting and you can go and find the local paper where that story is taking place, that reporting is going to be better than, you know, the, you know, someone, someone a thousand miles yeah, exactly. away. Like, Cause those people know that community. That is, that is interesting. Look, I was going to ask you that even though like Paris and I aren't from the news realm, but now that you're stepping out of it, how are you going to get your news? So that's good that you said that, like find some that you trust. And So I want to bring up Reuters, um, which Sean, you obviously know what that is. I don't know if David, you know what that mm-hmm. is, but I grew up in around radio stations. My mother was a broadcast journalist, radio announcer, whatever you want to call it. She had various jobs. Like at one time she was like a host and one time she was just do like the traffic and weather and I remember sitting with her in a, in a, honestly, like one of the radio stations she used to work in was inside a boat that was like, had been like decommissioned and was like in Hong Kong, Hong Kong. And it was like in the bottom of this, whatever. It was crazy. But anyway, I remember sitting next to her and she's looking down the list of Reuters and she's, you know, basically handpicking the news items that she's going to go with today. And she explained to me that you start local so it would always be like a hong kong story and then maybe it would be like an asia story and then it would maybe be like an interesting piece or something that kind of like you know caught her eye like being foreigners living in hong kong i'd be like oh something something is that still a practice now like how does it work with stories what carries the most weight like how do you program you know because i know you worked on pieces like months in advance that were human pieces like i'm thinking of the tiramisu guy that you did a piece on um but then like with the day-to-day news like how do you choose like this is a headline this is you know there's crazy things happening around the world constantly well i think one one interesting exercise to think about any story and the way i like to think about it is is this a headline or a storyline because there are some things that are just a headline you can tell the whole story in 15 words that's it like there's really nothing else you have to do the important stories are the ones where the headline brings you in and, and then you can give more context and in, in the other minute. I never worked in local news. I, I mm. worked only at, at the network level um, from the mailroom on up. And so I, so the local news side to me is just something that I've, I've gotten through osmosis and everything else. Um, and, you know, for the local side, it, it's obviously different. On a national level, it Ten, the, the story that tends to lead the evening news or the morning show or whatever else usually ha- usually impacts the most people. So Got whether it. heat, fires, all that kind of stuff. Coronavirus obviously was the lead story for a year and a half. I mean, everybody was going through that together, right? What's the, in, in uh, just to yeah. bring it back to the film, broadcast news, is it Gaddafi is doing something and then they've got like, um, they've got like this like tank that doesn't do anything and then you know, Tom kind of the character goes off the rails and he is like, I've got this idea for this story and it's about date rape and like women. And then uh, it's really controversial in the film because he cries on camera and then they come to realize that he's had to, it's a one camera team. Which so was an amazing turn in this movie. It was Towards so the end, good. I was laying, laying down watching this on my laptop because I'm at my parents' house and I was just like, yo, like Albert, Albert Brooks, the, uh, that's Aaron Altman's character. He's like, 
hey man because i didn't even catch it when he asked tom he's like oh so how many camera crews do you have oh just one and then like 20 minutes yeah. later he's talking he's like confessing his love for jane craig holly hunter's character and he's like you know like one last thought he he like this dude is bullshit. Everything that you fight yeah. against, he epitomizes that or whatever. Um, because he only then, had one camera crew. So and she how, goes and watches yeah, it. How yeah, could he, how could the one camera crew be on the victim and then cut back to him crying at the same time? Can't do it. And then she goes, checks it out. And then, yeah, sure enough, they pretty much staged it. And they gave you a little bit of gem and when they were with the Sandi- uh, Sandinistas. And she said, don't put on your boot or don't just set up the, him putting on his boot. He's like, just act natural. You do what you want to do, And the guy do, like pauses yeah. for like a minute, and he's like, "I'm still gonna put this boot I on." D- I do but that. She's all like, time. we gotta just, oh yeah, like, just we gotta record this naturally. I'll be, I'll be at a story out in the field. I'm like, hey, like you know, great interview. Just go do whatever you've been doing. We're just like, we're gonna be a fly on the wall, whatever else. And like, it's like, but it, you know, it's one of those things. Like, but it'd be great if you maybe were sweeping up the kitchen you know what i mean like not you know but like yeah oh no, no it's like suggestive no, you don't really do that but like usually if you're if you're interviewing a subject you're interviewing them because they're if they're in where they are it's for that reason so it's not and they've done like, that thing or yeah, they do that thing in, on a regular basis right, 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 right. Yeah. And, and a lot of us there's like gr- but there's yeah. a great i think it's a tv show i can't remember if it's a tv show or a film but there's a show or a film from australia called frontline and i remember my mom made me watch it like when I was starting to like learn about the news and there's a part where this guy goes to like a shooting or something. It's an Australian show. And he's like, can I get a flak jacket? And then he's like, I'm going to crouch down. So it looks like it's, he's closer to the action and stuff like that. Who like, did that this happen is- to um, that broadcaster that said his plane got shot and he's back on Brian, MSNBC. It's Brian, now Williams. Again. It's Brian Williams. Brian Williams. Yeah. yeah. And he, I don't know. I don't know that story. Yeah, so he said he was in a plane that got was it that ch- was shot down or shot it was at? Shot at. Sean it was and, shot at. I think. I think. It but was it shot wasn't at. shot down, and I think he might have said it was. He like, he he yeah he he was very loose with the facts of what had actually happened. And, with what actually happened, and, and oh was giving speeches in in me, like telling the story over and over again in a way that was very disingenuous, and he lost the nightly news on NBC for it. Yeah. Because because you need to be trustworthy no, or at sure. least appear to be trustworthy, yeah, right? Because you lose like, that credibility and then no one's right. tuning so in. Two, two quick things. One, uh, the breaking news montage or like scene in this story was a very good example of, of sometimes how it happens. Remember, they're all at the house just drinking and the hanging potty. out or whatever. Um, I have multiple examples of, of, those, of having to leave a number of those things because of a mass shooting or because of a, uh, a natural disaster or whatever else. And you're on the air within half an hour, right? Or whatever. So it was really interesting because right. like that, the way they set that up is, is more or less kind of the same, same way it could happen here. We have a whole special events unit and they're like on call and ready. If, if something like that happens, would we go live on a special report? Like for something like international like that? Uh, it's a higher bar these days. You, when you mm. do that, you're basically taking money out of your own pocket because you're you're blowing through commercials, you're blowing through regular programming, mm. all the rest of that stuff. So like, you know, oh, when when we would break in like during the day and like we'd mess up like Young and the Restless or whatever soap, we would mm-hmm. just get phone call after phone call from people pissed because 
you know, we were ruining their 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 stories. Well, I rem- you fucked up my monologue, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I re- I remember I remember January sixth, uh, the day that people marched on the Capitol. I don't think I've ever watched more consecutive hours of news than that day. Like it was like a fucking TV show, like of my favorite, you know, it became so crazy what was happening and the way they would like cut to people this and cut to people that like we were toggling between like CBS, uh, CNN, MSNBC. Like it was wild. It, it became like you said, like you have a whole special events team. It was a special event. It's like watching the Olympics or something, you know, where you're just, when there's a story like that unfolding and you don't know what's happening. It was the same this time last year when I was watching protests and stuff because, you know, we were out protesting peacefully and then like you'd be home watching the news and see like what's happening in different cities. And it was, um, yeah, it was crazy. It became almost like a narrative. I became addicted to the news at one point. For Do you sure. remember what happened the day before January 6th? In the news, you mm-hmm. mean? It was. It was. Pretty no, big. I don't. Oh, it was the uh, the Atlanta. It was the Atlanta was elections. George, yeah, the Senate. The Senate runoff. J. Cole dropped some. Yeah. Georgia. <laughs> Georgia. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So no, the, remember the Democrats won both Senate seats in Georgia right. and won the Senate mm-hmm. and changed the entire trajectory of Biden's four years. Stacey Abrams. Stacey Abrams. No, she she didn't no. run. She was campaigning. Yeah. It was. Uh, but she was she was whipping up. Yeah, votes, yeah, it was right? Ralphie R. Warnock and Joe Ossoff. But That's so I was right, I was That's... in Atlanta. I was there for that, and I remember. We were... And you had to fly to Washington. No, right? I actually didn't. But we ended up at um, Dr. Martin Luther King's church, which I'm blanking on. Uh, was it called Booty Sweat that you got back in? <laughs> it might be. Yeah, a 50, I don't think it's called that. I don't think it was called 50, that. Fifty-fifty shot. But yeah, no, I remember, I fully remember because so me, Sean, David, and a couple of other of our wonderful friends are on like a group text chain. And I remember Sean texting us like stuff about Atlanta and we were like, woo, Sean. I mean, you know, David, you and I say we get our news from all these sources. Let's be fucking real. Like for the last Sean, like year and a half, we've yeah. gotten out te- We've got, we, Sean tells us what's happening and we, what we, and occasionally I would text Sean and be like, do I need to be worried about this? And he'd be like, no, these are what's happening. I'd be like, okay, great. Because I'm a little bit of a worry. Yeah, so. When I tell people, I'd be like, my gosh, Sean said, and he yeah. works at CBS. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, like that's my credit. That's me and my credibility. I know. We don't have like, that here, anymore. Here's what it's I'm a- saying. And I know this because my man and now. My friend Sean knows what's going on. He got yeah, the inside yeah. track. So He's out there. now I'm yeah. now I'm He's gonna have to be the plug for all my friends that are Exactly. Right. Like with fires too. You know, I'd have family call, hit me up like, Oh, the fire's so bad. I'm like, nah man, Sean's up there. He's he said he said they got it this much contained and we only have to worry about it if it's this much contained. Yeah. And they're like, Oh, okay, so Sean's up there. Yeah. All right. I know. We need we need we're gonna need a new plug now. We're gonna need to befriend one of Sean's old friends that like works. I there. I I apologize no. for wanting to sleep. Uh, more than I have in the last time. I yeah, have a life. Crazy yeah, fuck schedule. you. Yeah, we'd be like, Get hey, it. bro, we're doing something this weekend. Oh, I'm flying around the globe. Uh, yeah, I mean, you're getting those miles, though. I'm right. But, yeah, it's, it's hard <laughs> yeah. to schedule things. And I'm going with Jeff into space in the penis rocket. That's what I'm doing this <laughs> week. Now, now I have sorry. the time to spend those miles, I hope. There so, right, go. there we and go. No, um, the other thing about the movie that was interesting was just um, – the lack of diversity. Just kidding. There was that. There was one. There was the lack guy. of diversity. Um, Ed, Wheel- Ed Wheeler. I wrote him down on the list. I'm like, they did have one black guy. His name was Ed Wheeler. Um, what about Jack Nicholson? He's he's probably ten percent black. 
Is he? No, nah, I mean, I'm just saying, Jack. Jack smooth. You know what? Jack's a smooth Jack, dude. So Jack did not get paid for this. Yeah, page. He, did you know that? He said he didn't want to get paid. Yeah, which yeah. respect to you, Jack. What was inter- mm-hmm. well, what was interesting to me? I was just thinking about this today. You already, you know, ruined the ending where they, none of them get together. But they always do. <laughs> I mean, it came out in 1987. You have had the time, my friend. Yeah, but what's interesting is it reminded me of La La Land. Ooh, elaborate. Well, so at the end of La La Land, you know, Gosling and, and my girl Emma don't actually end up getting together, right? They kind of go yeah. their separate ways. Then later they come mm-hmm. back together and like, you know, so great to see you and, and all the rest of that stuff. They did end up together in one capacity because she took the editor's job. job. Yeah. I know. I kind of like wished that they got together. His fiance looked like a bit of a drip in the end. I forget her name. But Kayla or whatever. I, I don't because... I love that Jane stuck to her guns. Like, dude, this is what I've been fighting against. I don't like. Um, so, Sean, you could, hopefully you talk. Well, you can talk to us a little bit more. But, like, we've talked about this in person where I feel like some of these news stories, and it doesn't matter what's, what side or narrative or opinion they're pushing, it's a little bit produced and it's sad music and keep watching, everybody. Keep watching. Like, dramatized. And it's like, it's a tragedy. We don't need, uh, for me, I'm kind of, you know, I don't need all the extras. I know it was like a mass shooting or something. I don't need all the, the, dra- the drama music behind Tugging it. Tugging at the hot strings, Yeah, when it's, going to, when it's going to commercial and all this stuff. And it's like a big production when it's like, holy shit. Like, just, yeah, talk to the people that, that were impacted. Tell us what happened. Um, but that's my personal opinion. But like to what don't you think the anchors don't you think the anchors though are kind of fucked in that situation because they can't really present like they have to show a human emotion like it'd be weird unless we move to like AIs. Yeah, I'm not even talking about that. But how much can you do if you're on the air for eight hours? A part of that's going to be you're just and this is completely my opinion. You're caking that up, right? There's got to be a point where like you desensitize to it. It happened and. You're like, man, oh, man. And you don't need to play it up. Like, just be affected how you are affected and just be natural and be like the human being that you are on TV. Um, you see what I'm saying? Like, if someone's on the news eight hours or five hours, whatever, for a tragedy and I feel they like stay Sh- on. I feel like Sean has an opinion. Well, yeah, I, and that's what I, I just would need, like to hear. I, David, I just need you to know and tell me if I'm wrong. You're a highly evolved, intelligent human being who... Says who? (laughs) Since when? The point you're making is a highly educated and evolved one where the news right now is is we're trying to give the, the information to the lowest common denominator of people. We can't assume that every all the millions of people that watch the evening news every night or the morning show. Um, have the same background, education, or understanding of the facts or what's going on than you do. And so... Yeah, but with that, aren't you telling them, or they're telling them how to feel? Like, um, hey guys, I'm mm. emotional. I'm giving you the story. You feel this way too. And it should just... If that's your natural reaction, like, fuck, I'm tearing up. Like, this kid got shot. Like, dude, this is fucked up. And like, hold, guys, can you pause for a second? Like, that is a natural reaction. And I get that, you know, like thinking about it some kid getting hurt or shot like i'm gonna tear up probably watching that myself but if it's if it doesn't if it doesn't feel genuine and it feels like this person's just pushing this and like yeah you guys need to feel this way too on how they're acting or but that's what i think this whole movie was about was like talking about you know journalism i mean that's the scene with tom crying Mm -hmm. right like 
See, the thing that I felt like aged like milk like this movie was that she's having this like fucking internal conflict and they're talking about like how the news is going and stuff. And I think we're so jaded because we are in 2021 and the news is already there. Like what they're talking about in the 80s was so crazy to them. Um, You know, you know, we touched on before, like the 24 hour news cycle and Sean saying like he doesn't think it's necessary. That happened in like the 1990s when OJ, that was like the first event that really Mm became, it became the first 24 hour news cycle because the, the line between what's entertainment and what's just the facts like you were talking about is so fucking blurred. Mm -hmm. And with the rise in unscripted and the rise in reality television, like we are making characters out of these stories, out of these anchors, out of these people that it's just fascinating now to look back because a movie like this, they're really conflicted morally, right? Like Holly's like conflicted and, and now, to me, like that just seems so fucking normal. So right? one thing that's interesting too is that um, back in the '60s, I was talking about news news divisions and newsrooms just lost money. They were not money making ventures; they were a public service and a public good. Right? That model has obviously shifted all the way to the other side, where you basically like you have to turn a profit or you have to stay solvent. Or else, you know, newsrooms are going to get cut, and they are all over the country and in the world, right? They get cut in the movie. They cut 27 people's and, jobs. And that was very apropos of what's been going on all over, all over now. Because they couldn't, because Jack says they couldn't program Wednesdays, right? And then um, that, yeah. their boss, Paul, says, well, you could take a million less. And Jack's like, fuck you just said to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, like, Sean, are there any outlets like that that um, – or do they not exist anymore that maybe operate at a loss, but some other organization owns that and they just are like, I don't care. I'm taking a hit on this. Like we're going to just have this unbiased and unkind of overproduced outlet where we're just giving you facts. Do any of those exist well, anymore? Yeah. Well, two things, one on the music front and like, you know, dramatizing things, you're never going to mm-hmm. get that kind of stuff on a broadcast news story that is, um, what we would call in the A block. That's like day of like breaking news or whatever else. You might get that in some kind of like feature where it's some story about, I don't know, some kid, you know, learning how to walk again. You know what I mean? Like when you have the time to like add a little bit of music and everything else and just Mm -hmm. make it more of an engaging story, that's one thing. But like, you know, the, if it's Trayvon Martin or Maude Arbery or George Floyd, there was no music put underneath any of those stories. I, I can almost guarantee you that, at least with yeah, us. Yeah, this was, the, where the, it rubbed me the wrong way, and it was like, uh, it was a CNN. And I think it was later in the day, so the story had been out already. And maybe, you're probably right, it doesn't hap- it's not going to happen immediately, but I think by the time it got to when I was watching it in the afternoon at night, um, they kind of added some of that stuff yeah. into it. But to your point about, you know, are there outlets out there that are operating at a loss or whatever else? NPR is just publicly funded and, and funded right. by people with donations. I think Voice of America is as well. Um, obviously, you have public radio, you know, all over all over the country and everything else. Um, but I think, do, do I, now that I'm <laughs> no longer in the news, do I think we would be better off as in a society and a country if the news could just operate as a news organization and not as a business? 1,000%. Unfortunately, it's going to take somebody like Disney, who, which owns ABC News, and Comcast, which owns NBC and NBC Universal, and you have Viacom CBS, which 
um, you know, could potentially get bought by one of these other bigger companies to basically just like, I don't know, give a few billion dollars to them and like, and just say, do the best job you can, do the best journalism you can, don't worry about, you know, if you can break even, great, or whatever else, but unfortunately the way that stock, you know, all these are public companies, the way that stockholders yeah. do it right. and everything else is, it's just, yeah. it's, it's an idealistic uh, way to think about how the past news worked and how the present could work, but there's so many outlets now that it's tough. One thing I noticed that aged like milk, I'm curious to know if you guys noticed it, they are watching the news and he's like, Arnold Schwarzenegger is on every channel. He just bought an apartment with Maria and they're going to d- tastefully decorate it. And I'm like, I wonder if this was around the time that Arnold Schwarzenegger started having an affair with his nanny because <laughs> he has oh, a yeah. child. Remember, he has a child out of wedlock. Yeah. I don't think it is because I think when the story broke, the kid was like 10 and that was like a couple of years ago. But yeah, I was like, oh, Maria, 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 that Maria. That kid's an actor now. No fucking way. Isn't he? He's, I don't know. He's got like black hair. I thought it was son axe. I don't know. That's a great story if you're like Arnold yeah. Schwarzenegger. But he was like, dad. I'm, I'm getting, he was, what was uh, Albert Brooks was saying? I was getting two million a movie. Now I'm getting three million a movie. He does a horrible <laughs> yeah, accent. He does. Horrible. Well, can we talk a little bit about the acting? I thought it like yeah. entry point, like first started, I was like, eh, like see how this goes. And I just thought it was amazing throughout the film. Yeah. They got nominated. Yeah. Um, William Hurt got nominated. Albert Brooks got nominated. Holly Hunter. All were nominated for Oscars, whether it was, uh, um, you know, Best Actor, Best Supporting, uh, Best Actress. And I think Holly Hunter crushed this. Oh, that my God, scene she did such a good job. with her and Albert Brooks when like he's confessing her love and like she's having all this emotion and just her mannerisms when she's having these thoughts and emotions inside her head that she's not vocalizing. Like I live for that stuff. And it was like, it kind of reminded me like of a play to be honest, like a lot of the exchanges. Okay. Cause it would be like, he would say something, she would say something. And like, I think cause a lot of it took place in like cramped spaces. You guys know, I come like my start in the industry was like, I mean, in high school I did like plays and there was Mm. something that was very like play like about the dialogue the exchange between Holly and Albert Brooks specifically and um in the end David when she like kind of there's that hallway and she kind of walks through the one doorway and comes out the other like that felt very playish to me Mm -hmm. you know like she never leaves the stage kind of yeah and they're um like to your point they're staging too the way they'd um like Mm. switch and stuff like that but like Holly came from theater so yeah, okay. and I just uh, the her emotional range is just and like she's her sensitivity got, she, is amazing. She's just got the most like quirky mouth as well. I feel like she does a lot of mouth acting. Like yeah, her, the way she holds her mouth and then like these looks and stuff. I I loved her and uh, William Hurt. Um, I just like so so Jane and Tom these characters they had such a tension a mm-hmm. sexual tension a rivalry a and then the and then you know enter. Aaron's character, who's like this sort of like third wheel almost, even though he's like the best little, friend. It was like just, funnier and softer yeah. between the two of them. And but also like realer, yeah, but also mean. I like that more between Aaron and Jane because mm. I thought Tom and Jane was a little more superficial, like sexual tension. And Aaron, um, Albert Brooks and Holly Hunter brought, it was more real and raw, I felt like, mm. between the two of them. It was developed, right? So the you know uh, holly like be- the best friend side of it they were they they consider themselves intellectual equals right 
and they could have that banter back and forth and they would vent to each other and all that stuff. I will tell you right now, everybody in the business has, it might not be fit me, fit, uh, male, female, but we all have our like, our, our news like therapists we go to that we can like talk to and just like vent about. My buddy. I thought you were going to say that you have like a work wife. I no, and I, like I have, a work yeah, wife. I have plenty of. Paris is my work wife. I have a lot of work wives. Yeah. I have a, but I'm not going to name any because I think they'd get upset. Uh, Why? Well, because they would find out you had Well, there's a lot. No, there's <laughs> a work polygamist. There's a lot of cor- If you will. There's a, lot of cor- there's a lot of very talented correspondents and producers. And I've, I've been lucky enough to work with almost all of them. So. I feel like I've met some of your work mm-hmm. wives in various yeah. locations. Sean, I definitely met one in Vegas one time. Ooh, mm. right, I want to hear more about that story. Um, but like, that's what I was kind of getting at. Like the way you guys talk mm-hmm. is, I feel it's like niche. And I watched that show, The Newsroom, that was on HBO. It was a similar kind of vibe, the way everybody talks and reacts, and um, you know things are a little bit faster paced. So that's why. But you thought this movie was pretty spot on, like the day to day. It, I think like, it. I think it did a really minus good the job. love story. Well, <laughs> I'm sure there is love. Okay. Well, first, actually, you bring up a good. Yeah. You bring up. Okay. So when I was researching this, I found this article on The Ringer from 2017, and uh, it's a great article. Uh, it's about how broadcast news predicted journalism as we know it. It's from yeah. It's from. I think it, it was like 30 years later, so 2017, and. There was this journalist, Susan Zarinsky, who meets the writer director of the film and he's like, can I buy you a cup of coffee? And they like start chatting and she then finds out that this guy, um, it's James L. Brooks, has interviewed like all these women that she knows in the industry. Essentially, he was writing the character of Jane, right? But she ends up... um, she ends up secretly marrying her coworker. They literally both had a day off and they had to call, they went to the San Francisco courthouse and they called the boss to be like, we're going to get married. Cause it was like frowned upon for people to fraternize, but they'd been secretly living together for like five years or something. And anyway, but this, this Hollywood writer director who had just like won a bunch of Academy Awards, like a couple of years ago was like, Hey, I'm in town. Can we go for a walk? So she leaves the courthouse after just marrying this guy and goes for a walk with him. And then finally, like she's loosening up and she tells him like, well, actually got married today with this guy and like this thing. So he's like, fuck, I got to meet this guy. And then like, they became friends and he showed, and like he met the husband and like stuff like that. I feel like that story, when I read that story on the ringer today, I was like, that's kind of what it felt like in this movie. It was like, everything's like, you know, it's like very sexual tension, but like nobody knows. Like he sleeps with the one woman um, that works at the radio station. Uh, Lois, uh, I don't know. Her name, Jennifer yeah. Mack. Yeah. 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 Anyway, so I do definitely feel like there must be a lot of fraternizing that happens in the newsroom. It's, um, Sean's like, I will not. No, I, here's the thing. Like, <laughs> cone of silence. I'm, I'm saving it for my book. It is not uncommon for people in the business to get married to each other. Now the divorce rate okay. might also be relatively high, but there mm-hmm. is something about this industry, and, and some might call it a calling, some might call it, uh, you know, stuff like that. That um, it's hard. It's it's hard to understand the the pressures and the demands of that job, and if you can find somebody in in the same arena, it's a lot easier to because it it cuts out all of the the extra talking. I mean. Just to get personal yeah. for a minute, you guys have seen me last four years in L.A. My dating life hasn't been uh, particularly stellar, and 
because you're always traveling. It's hard to mm-hmm. build a relationship on sand that's constantly shifting. Exactly right. And but then again, like if I found somebody who was also in news who understood that, mm. who may have all, who may also be traveling and everything else, right? Might like work that's a little better. Yeah. Well, it, it just it just makes things easier. But that's what that's what you find as well. Like I think from my perspective, again, having only worked on the one film, which is all of where my knowledge comes from. Um, but like you know, meeting a lot of department heads and people who work on a shitload of films and are constantly traveling, it's so much easier to be with someone in the industry because they get it. Like you're working until three o'clock in the morning. Hey babe, I got to go to, I have a friend right now who's in Serbia on a film and his wife went with him because they kind of take it in turns. You know, it's just, it's difficult to be with someone that doesn't understand that like your life for you, Sean, it's like, I'm traveling to Australia for two weeks to think if someone was in news, they'd be like, Oh my God, great. Like have a great time. Wish I could go and do that. I will say like yeah, someone someone who's a nine to five is gonna be like you're doing you, what in the what now? They gave you one day's notice. Yeah, like like no, you gotta be here. We have plans, and it's like mm-hmm. no, baby, I'm a where I lay my hats, my home, right. I'm a rolling stone. Yeah, I got some kids on. I got some kids on the atoll. They live with their moms. moms. They, live, they live with their moms. No moms. <laughs> no moms. But Sean, no moms. you got a new pad. new pad. You got hardwood floors. Listen. It's about to go. If anybody's down. listening in LA, <laughs> we will put his info in the bio <laughs> yeah. when this. What is Instagram? Yeah. Let's just say, <laughs> come get. I have time for coffee now, everybody. Snack. He has time for coffee. coffee and, and he makes, he makes great cocktails. I will say, came over for a cocktail the other day. It was that's great. Right. Um, you know what's interesting? Just getting, uh, getting back to the movie. One thing that I found really interesting. We, two things. One, journalism is a job that you love that never loves you back that is 1000 percent accurate amen to, i mean that's the same as <laughs> right. entertainment but like, baby uh, yeah. keep in mind. but number two we work love in a community we work in the communication business right like all we do is communicate things all day but mm-hmm. i get i promise you when it comes to personal communication some of the worst you know some of the worst ever oh. and this movie does a i believe this movie it does a great job of like if all of these people could have just sat down if they all just sat down and like had an honest conversation they could have figured this out in 20 minutes she's like i want to fuck you because you're right. hot yeah. but i think you're stupid yeah. and the other guy would be like i secretly hate you because you didn't love me back yeah. which is but tom he too, liter- he said something when they're about to when they're outside that dinner and he's like i just want to feel i want to be inside this electricity or whatever um or and like he's your energy a boob in public which yeah. i was like okay sir and please then he chill. and then he takes a step back and he goes oh like, i've never said anything about like that out loud blah blah blah. i feel like tom this is gonna be a hot take he was fucking playing the game since he was a kid he says dad i got c's and f's and he's got his book open right there i don't think that motherfucker ever studied he goes that's he goes, so I funny will. because i i will i, I will i will he was bullshit from day David, one i thought that so much in womb. that scene too i thought he was tricking his dad he into was signing to sign, the and then thing. he goes no can you sign i don't think this? he no. do you think he really was tricking him hell yeah because what he did for, he was nah, always caking sec- it up even when he in his profession for a second, I believed the same as you. I was like, oh, this guy's like playing his dad. Cause like who among us didn't get a bad grade and had to tell the mom, I was like, I wish I like had figured out how to make my parents feel sorry for me. Yeah. But then he was so like the, the older version of him was so like earnest and sweet. And he's like, dad, I can do it. And then he's like, well, I'm glad you could understand. Until he, but he knew his game. He knew the blue eyes, blonde hair, pretty boy, and he knew how to sell himself. When he sat down with Albert, with uh, Air, uh, Albert Brooks's character, and he's like, "Sit on your coat, 
chest back or chest up look at here do that and he was crushing yeah. it like just giving him game because that's what he does and he's like you got to sell yourself like what sean was saying you got to trust this anchor i think dude was bullshit from the jump interesting See, sean what yeah what do you think sean i i i'm a little in between on that i think his character is better if you think he's like this earnest guy who's self-deprecating but tries really hard i think what the the movie did a good job in that scene with you know when they're he's sitting on his coat and, and you know all that stuff all of these jobs demand different things and none no one of these jobs can can get the news on the air um you know by themselves and mm-hmm. you have people with all different kinds of talents and like the best newsrooms are able to get the best you know the, what what this person does best and this person does best and this person does best all in the same room to put it all together, right? So yeah, like hmm. dude dude couldn't write, but he had other people to write for him, but like no one's gonna deliver on air the way he does either. And he was finessing when Holly Hunter was giving him a line mm-hmm. and he didn't say everything like verbatim, right? He would he would finesse it a little bit. And that is play extremely with hard. If you're like ever, he's yeah. he's intel he's an intelligent guy, and I think he has been since he was a kid. But even though, to your guys' point, like you may be on the fence about it, or Paris, you might think it went the other way. He is sincere, but no. But I I was way, with you from the beginning. Yeah. I was like, oh, this motherfucker is playing but his dad like shit. That's why that character is great. The story is great. This movie is great. Is because we're talking about this and we took it different yeah. ways, you, and it's kind of like it could go either way and we're having this you know why i don't think that's true david because remember at the end when he calls his dad and says i actually think i can do this job and he's that's what i'm saying i think i think that brings it around to like i think he really you know earnestly was like i can't believe i'm i think we can agree james l brooks created these multi-layered characters which we don't see in every film Mm -hmm. you know jane was very interesting and like she had this like you know, insecure side to her. And then she was just a woman that wanted to fuck. And then she was also like this boss. And then we had, um, Al Brooks's character, Aaron, who was like insecure as fuck. And then he was in love, but he was also trying to flirt. And he was like this kid that was bullied and had something to prove and a chip on his shoulder. And the best scene in the film is Aaron gets the character. Aaron gets his shot to host the news and he (laughs) starts sweating like to the point where I was looking at this and I'm like, how are they doing? He, like, that how was they... his idea. He called yes, at like I three in the that. morning and said, um, I just saw this He's, or heard a story. He about, saw it on the news. Saw it on the news yeah. and this guy's sweating profusely. I need to start sweating. But how did scene. they do it, David? Did they have like a dropper of water above his head where they were dripping? Because he's like, he starts sweating. Like it's like, so much yeah, it was hilarious that is interesting so i wonder like because you could like go in a sauna and come out sweating like that because they could do the shirt they could you the know get it easy, wet right but, where, where but they, they literally it. had a bead of sweat yeah. full out of his oh, hair so, so i'm like did they have like a sponge above that they were like squeezing just out of frame could be you know what or i mean like he hit a treadmill off camera <laughs> and, and then caught his breath down. and then he did the yeah <laughs> no it was i mean yeah the director writer was like a fucking genius like he made these characters that we're even having this conversation like you said like but that just goes to show and one of the reasons i love this film was that it's not one-dimensional characters people are in news or in entertainment or in whatever the fuck job a bank teller coach of a little league team and you have so many layers to you but this environment was so stressful i loved how it made the characters relate to each other it was mm-hmm. so good yeah, i think highly yeah, i think on, a, on an overall level i felt 
comfortable in this movie. Like watching this movie, I'm like, yeah. oh, I, I, this is comfortable to me. This all makes sense. Plenty of times where I was, you know, taking bits and pieces like, done that, done that, that's happened to me, like, this is what's going on, that, everything this else. Is yeah, like, yeah. And I think that's why, it, it, you know, I don't blame people who watch, like, doctors who watch ER and go, this is dumb, this is bullshit, like, this is not We how, all know like, Grey's Anatomy is the only real right or watch the just banging each other. I've heard Scrubs is the most accurate from a doctor friend. Right, of mine. I was Veep, making in, a joke. In, yeah. Veep, in Veep is Veep. Everyone's sexy. Everyone's fucking. Yeah. Why didn't I become a doctor? God damn. Well, Clooney. Twenty-seven seasons later. Clooney, right? I mean, oh, Clooney, yeah. yeah. But uh, you know, and he's no, you know, Victorian. I, I will sure. say, like, if you want, and the new the newsroom with Sorkin actually was was pretty decent too when it came to like understanding especially like a cable news like nightly show like what that takes but um Mm. if you can get past the technology differences right in the dated references um and maybe this is going towards the age like milk question but um i thought it, it the spirit of a newsroom and the dynamics of the people involved and the teamwork it takes and everything else they captured that really well and you can tell that there were journalists on you know that either they researched like like z who i know well or others well like, J- um, what the woman you know the woman i mentioned <gasps> shut up well yeah i mean she's my according to this art- oh my god according to this article that i read like yeah he did tons of research for years like this movie came out in 1987 i think she said in this article that she met him in 1984 so like you know, James L. Brooks was not just like, I had this half-baked idea, and now I wrote a script about it. Like, he was talking to people. Oh, that's awesome. Um, Well, we are getting towards the end of the show. David, I know you got some fun facts, because you said a couple of them. I know you got Uh, Yeah, I mean, did you guys notice the back of the head of John Cusack? What? He's he's in this movie. He's in this movie, yeah. John Cusack. Um, So he runs in when people are getting let go. He's the mail carrier that slams the bag, and he's like, "This is bullshit." That's John. No that's John way. Cusack. Yeah, because Joan obviously Joan. was in yeah, this. Yeah, they've been in a few movies together. Um, no way. But yeah, that's, that's John Cusack. Um, there was a scene where Tom, uh, so William Hurt, and what was it, Lois uh, Childs, the Jennifer's the character, sex, the sexy lady, the sexy, the sexy lady, anchor yeah, woman. they get sent to Anchorage. So they they go to that after you know William Hurt has a great showing and they all go to the bar and holly leaves she said she'll meet up later so that diner or whatever they're at there's a scene and I, after i saw this article i went back and looked he missed his point where um his mark he you can see him turn and look around the camera to see holly holly hunter is supposed to be coming into the shot he turns around the corner of the building looks goes back and then like two seconds later oh. them then him and Lois, like, arm in arm, walk they, around and they, run into each other. They kept that take? They, it's in the movie. Yeah. Yeah, why do they keep that take? I don't take? know. I'm sure they did another I one. have That's no idea. Wild. Maybe it just missed, like, the editing. But I went back and looked because I love that stuff. And they, you know, they, yeah. they get past, like, all these different eyes. And, you know, probably somebody late night edited <laughs> this thing at four in the morning. And he's like, yeah, this scene's good. Let's go with it. Seen it a thousand yeah. times. And, like, doesn't know. William Hurt's, like, yeah. peeking around the corner, backs up because he's like, oh, fuck. And then you see them both walk walk around. So I thought that's that was pretty funny. funny. Yeah. No, that's funny. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love this movie. I mean, yeah. I mean, this is the part of the podcast where we do like a little shout out, Sean. You kind of already said 
who yours was gonna be. So tell us who your shout out is. For well, the I movie. need to shout you two out for letting me do this because oh. <laughs> that's a fucking that's an age like milk first, David. Wow. Oh my because God. I am doing a William Hurt tier. Tom Tier. I'm going to call him Tom Tears. Quick, t- turn it on him. Turn the camera on him right now. Go on. Tom Tier. And it's because, like, this has been very cathartic for me to be able to watch that movie. And, like, it was a tough decision to leave leave the business. But I'm taking my shot outside. And it was, it's been nice to just talk about all of it because I feel like it's a good way yeah. to end it. So you guys are great. Well, Thanks for letting us do this. Well, thanks. But also I wanted to say like, you know, journeys are long and careers are varied. So this may not be the end of news for Sean Galitz. You know, we'll see what happens. Uh, but so Susan, but, Susan Zwinski yeah. is an AP. She's got a credit. Oh, yeah, she, she has a credit on the phone. Oh, nice. Um, Susan Zwinski is a legend in the news business. She goes by Z. She's about as tall as Holly Hunter. Looks a lot like is she Holly still, Hunter. Is she still married to the guy I mentioned in the <sighs> that article? That I don't know. Um, but His name... No, I will find. Yeah, I don't. Oh think no! She he, yes. Oh my God! She was CBS. Holy shit! How did I not I, notice? That's this why I Fuck. didn't say anything earlier. So she, <laughs> as I'm butchering the story of her life, you're like, yeah. And she's sure. been there. She's been there for 40 plus years, and she's had every single job. And her most recent job was president of CBS News. Um, Stop. Yeah, yeah. She got to the top, and we, anybody would jump in front of her train if that. She said that was the story we needed to tell. Um, she's uh, she's awesome and. Her husband in 2017, at least when this article came out, was Joseph Peyronin. Um, that's and yeah, he was also a producer at CBS um, at the time. So now I have to Google him to find out if they're still together. Let, let's just say I I have saved pretty much any email that Z's ever sent me. Um, I mean, it's wow. that kind of you know kind of thing. And she's now she they they've kind of she she left the president uh, spot, but now they're basically gonna. She's got her own production kind of house within Paramount Plus and CBS and everything else. So she's going to be doing oh, some really interesting, longer form projects that I can't wait. Um, she ran 48 Hours for a very long time um, and brought that into prominence and was on the digital space a lot earlier. So she's... And for the romantics yeah. in the group, it says that they are still married. That's so sweet. good times. Um, Blissfully, in fact, Google says. So that's great. There aren't a lot of people at CBS... Anybody who works at CBS News know who Z, Z is, and I think we all do everything we can to live up to the example she set. And um, it's always fun watching this because you see, you can see some of that in in That's her. Awesome. So yeah, I, I owe her a lot and appreciate her. Well, Z, we see you and we appreciate we see you. you and we appreciate you. Here's to you, babe, and your beautiful marriage to your secret husband. Uh, it's very beautiful that you ran to town hall. We love that. David, who have you got? Well, uh, I want to piggyback since he shouted us out as well. Like, Sean, um, the 10 years you put in, like you said, it's a it's like a team game. And you said they captured how these stories are put together. So thank you for just being part of that and getting us the people these news stories this positive or you know sorry not positive but like this direct and honest <laughs> information sometimes positive yeah sometimes you know a little heartfelt but just being part of that system and i know you're a grinder and you always put like 100 percent into everything you do so thank you for being being part of that and i love that we had you on for this and that you chose this movie because 
And then it worked out like yeah. this was like the, around the same time that you were leaving yeah. the news. So yeah, exactly. You know, Thanks, man. Nice. Of I, course. I always loved being able to break news to you guys and and also call out the bullshit when <laughs> some ra- you'd see some random headline about you know like yeah, yeah I, so definitely, I definitely occasionally would post something yeah it'd be funny too because we'd be at a party in or somebody's house drinking or bar and like some conversation would come up and sean had just got back and you could tell like he just doesn't want to hear the bullshit nah, that yeah. somebody like in our friend group or somebody outside our friend group is like spouting off all this um you know this like non-factual information and Sean's just like okay like we need to get out of this convo because this person doesn't know what the fuck they're talking about we don't ever really talk about it too much on the group on the podcast David but like we have a pretty tight friendship group like it's a it's a pretty solid like 10 people and we love it but like we like let people in obviously we're not fucking exclusive but like Sean is like the dad who's just like no no, like he's got his kids and he's like, no, fuck, sh- yeah. shut the fuck up. Like what? he just literally lays down the law and like, there's no arguing with Sean, you know, like he fucking knows. Yeah. Like you can't be like, well, I read. I'm yeah. like, okay, I've got I'm going to listen. He's to like, what, okay, kids, listen to what he's like, Sean kids says. in the back. Shut up, shut yeah. up, shut up. Put your seatbelt like, on. Shut up. Not it. This is what I do for a living. And that's what you want in your news, right? You want to, you want an yeah. unappeachable, whatever. No, I, I yeah. always, you know, it was always great being able to inform my friends and make sure like during the coronavirus stuff and everything else like we were all scared but i was getting Mm -hmm. i was getting at least the best information we had at the time faster than anybody else was and i was trying to make sure a lot of people reached out to me i was trying to it was good to have you on the inside for the coronavirus because i think a lot of people there was a lot of news floating around i was personally very afraid being a foreigner you know like we were we thought borders were going to get closed like within the u.s and we had all kinds of crazy thoughts, and Sean would be like, mm, "My sources say no." I stopped. I stopped licking. Yeah, I stopped licking door handles because of Sean. You're and welcome. Mm-hmm. I started. I started <laughs> microwaving my mail because of Sean. No, I, didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I did not. <laughs> Thought about it, didn't do it. Just the bills. Uh, just um, you know, uh, just the stuff from AA, the, <laughs> the car stuff. They always send me things. Oh, no, I, I thought don't. it was a different. Yeah. Oh you, no, you added no, that no, third a. a a little bit later. So slowly, yeah. you're right. She said. She said running out of white clothes. Exactly. Um, but let me. No, yeah, David. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna shout out my guy, my uh, Michael Ballhaus. Um, he was the cinematographer on this, and I thought there were some very amazing shots. Um, there was a shot when Tom. Uh, William Hurst did his first uh, story and Holly had she was in the position to produce that first story and there's this tight shot of her and then right to the other side of the screen is William Hurst in the chair on like another screen and I thought that was an amazing shot and this dude's been worked or he has worked on some of my favorite films he worked on gangs in new york and one of sean's favorite lines that's a prim looking stargazer and he worked on the departed um goodfellas so this dude was crushing it he i think he actually passed away in 2017 but his his film career whether it was director photography um or you know cinematography he he really put it down and put his work in so michael we see you and we appreciate you michael we see you and we appreciate you thank you for everything you did in this film who do you Uh, got paris well i also feel like you sort of got in the feels with sean i also want to say sean congratulations On a decade in the news, CBS was lucky to have you, um, but I'm so excited for your next journey because I know you and I love you, and I know that whatever you do, it's going to be 
awesome and I'm excited for you to have a little bit more stability in LA and that we get to see you more often. Um, so that's great. Like from a very selfish standpoint, I'm excited to have you to be able to be like, Hey, what are we doing Friday? And you not be like, I'm going to Moscow. I'm be like, okay, great. <laughs> drinks um, drinks yes. are on me. Let's put it that way. Right. Yeah. We, I know we got to celebrate. Um, so yes, thank congratulations. Yes. Congrats, we love you. Bro. We appreciate you. But no, I had, I went in the editorial department because I think editors don't get enough credit. I went for Molly Carpenter. She was the associate editor on this. Uh, you know, it's great to see women in post-production. I think if this movie really showed us anything, it's that women are kick ass. And like, there's one line in this film where she's like yelling at somebody. And then this guy turns and he's like, I had no idea she was this good. Like love to see women crush in roles that they don't always, you know, we don't always see them in. So Molly, she ended up working. I think she switched to like producing. So she ended up working on plastic surgery before and after. She ended up working on uh, when surgical tools get left behind, deadly affairs and evil kin. Um, more in the producing uh, world. So I wonder if she had like a medical background or like some kind of vendetta against plastic surgery. But uh, Molly, we see you and we appreciate see you. See you and we appreciate you. Um, Sean, this is the part where we decide if this film has aged like milk or not. And since you are our guest, we will let you go first. So what is your verdict? What do you think? I would say, um, from a spirit of the news and news gathering, it has, it has held up very well. I would still, I would Mm -hmm. still drink this. No problem. Probably with some mac and cheese. Blue box, um, but it, it, it's from a news perspective, like just from a technology perspective. Obviously, it doesn't hold up, and that it's very interesting the how far technology has come and how quickly and easily so we can get good content out to people as fast mm. as we can. I mean, it used to take you know hours, if not days. Now it takes a matter of of seconds, you know, minutes, if not seconds, um, mm. and. Mm. That's for another podcast where that could be a good thing or a bad thing. So I will take, mm. I, I want to do a half and half. And, uh, okay. but I, oh. I will, I will drink it all day, yeah. every day. Okay. Okay. Mm. Like and he'll mix that. it in with his mac and cheese. Mm. David, what do you reckon? <laughs> um, there was one thing that aged like milk to me and it was the haircuts of the guy who was the guys <laughs> in the newsroom who were doing the jingle. If you remember those oh two gentlemen? Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. The mullet. the mullet. Although it is coming back. It is coming, it is coming back. back. And this dude had like a, I don't know, like flock of seagulls kind of thing going on. One of them. <laughs> he really did. Yeah, yeah. He really did so though. <laughs> I thought that aged a little bit. Um, but overall as a film, I think this movie did not age like milk. I think it was it was refreshing to me and it talking to Sean and he certified it right that this is pretty um on the spot of how newsrooms work and i've always felt like there's that kind of niche where this is how these group of people talk and interact with each other so it was cool for him to say yes this is pretty pretty spot on with this so mm-hmm. just him verifying that which um kind of was one of the questions in my mind i definitely don't think this movie aged like milk i really enjoyed it and i'm hoping to see another story like this but like as you guys are saying updated with newer technology and having with the phones or something i don't know maybe paris you and sean can write that i'll be i'll be the tom or the albert 
I don't care. Or the Jane. I got range. Yeah, give me a wig. Yeah. I don't know. No, I mean, you don't give me a man (laughs) version. I think, so a couple things that we sort of brushed over. I do think the lack of diversity is very obvious. You know, we have one person of color character. Keep beating that drum. But also, David, you and I both know that any movie sort of before like 2000 and 2000, let's say even before that, like, they just weren't like, hey, we need to like cast an Asian person or whatever. Mm-hmm. They were just like, everything is white, 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 white. And that's something that really did stick out to me yeah. a little bit, to be honest. Um, I think, you know, they tried a little bit. They had the one African-American yeah, guy. To your point, they shouldn't have to say like, we need to cast, check these boxes, but they should give right. opportunities to but these it's people also to show realistic. that they like, can hang. Yeah. Oh, sure, yeah. but yeah. I'm sure Sean. I'm I'm also sure Sean. Like, not everybody in news now is white. I right? would I would say I'm a minority in a newsroom right now. As right, a, as a white male, like it is the diversity, um, both age and gender and race and sexual orientation and everything else, um, is is great to see. It really is. That's great. Um, yeah, and that's great to hear yeah. because we need. So then those I agree. Mindsets. I agree with David. Then I would like to see an updated version that really takes that into account because, I mean, the landscape is not white, 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 white. But anyway, so that was like a minor. Well, not a minor thing. It's always a thing. But I will say, like, it was refreshing to watch this movie and have a strong female character. That yes, she was trying to sleep with Tom, and she had like all these things but we saw her as like a fucking badass like career woman who was just like owning it i loved that um so i guess i'll say that it didn't really age like milk but you know as i've said in the past like maybe there were a couple spots that i would be like mm, is this as fresh it's got like a couple spots in it that i have to scoop out and then i'm like eh, i'll still for, drink it for um, a late 80s film it holds up much it, better. You than was most pretty. Oh my god! What do you think? Yeah. It holds up better than some of the movies we've definitely spoken yeah. about. Yeah, for sure. So I'm really glad that you brought this movie to our attention, Sean, because I had honestly never heard of it before. I don't know, David, had you? No, we're we're it? actually on a run right now for movies mm. neither of us have seen, which I like yeah. because then it's like we both kind of experience it for the first time. Yeah. Um. So that's good. But yeah, Sean, thanks for bringing this to my life. I do think it's kind of a good rom-com too, if you're looking for that, like will they or won't they vibes, but also it's just great from a news perspective to like see how people have been questioning journalism and the career of journalism and the way we get news for 30 years now. So yeah, yeah that's super a interesting. real quick thought. I'm interested, maybe we hope talk about this at some other time when we do another news movie, but like, where did that profession come from? Where someone's like, I'm going to go out, I'm going to get facts, and then I'm going to come back and tell all of you. Like, <laughs> you know, was there like caveman? I think it was like, like Town right Cryer back. was like the original guy, yeah, right? Yeah. He's like, hear ye, hear ye. Yeah, I'm interested Sean in how is that developed. Single guy now. <laughs> it was, once, it was once we stopped hunting and gathering and started farming. And everybody was in one right. place, and you had to yeah. and, wanted to know what well, was going and, and, on. And when cities and you know places got big enough where you didn't know everybody who was in your immediate circle, mm-hmm. and yeah, new, new, and news you, is literally just information you don't. Printing know yet. press, yeah. 
But and also you wanted to know what was going on outside of your circle because that felt important to you. I mean, I remember reading in university that like coffee houses were huge, you know, like in the 1800s because people would gather with the newspapers. And it's funny in this film, they kind of rag on newspapers a little bit. It's a very throwaway line, but it's like, well, you might as well go work for a newspaper as <laughs> if I'm going to leave TV to do that. <laughs> and they kind of make fun, right? Like newspaper journalism was the only form of journalism for a long time and now we have television and now we have youtube and podcasts and uh if you want another good news movie and you want to see a a snack of a young man named christian bale there's mm. a disney flick called newsies and it's a musical oh are you fucking and kidding me i love that movie <laughs> i've never seen it but i Seize love the, the day <laughs> oh, it is it is Paris. It is I'll break out yeah. in a song. I love right a musical. Now. I yeah. love it a fucking so musical. Good. No one I've can shake us. No come one and can seize the day. Yeah. Oh my god. This is so <laughs> I'm I was a newsie. To, I, I was a paper boy when I was like ten, eleven, twelve. Yeah. Damn. So, yeah. You're part of the system. And I tap danced when I was like three, four, five. <laughs> We're just so. learning so much. You were like just put you were me like in. two thirds of the way there. Oh, yeah. Tag me in, coach. Yeah. I'm here. Ready. I actually went out for that Christian Bale role, but uh, obviously <laughs> they weren't casting much diversity back then. Oh, so I Christian. Didn't get it. So, no, I, I think that's great. And I was going to say, like, I really do think it's a valuable conversation to talk about the news and how we get news. So I'm really glad, even though we went on a massive tangent and didn't talk about the film for like 25 solid minutes. It's important, I think though. It's, it's important. Yeah. It's interesting, you know? And we're obviously so blessed to have Sean, who is in a sense a veteran of this industry and uh you know has had a unique take on it so yeah watch watch the movie listen to this conversation you'll have a good idea of where we're headed and sean we always ask like i know you're not really promoting anything but how can people connect with you if they want to well okay two mm -hmm. questions how can they connect with you but also what advice do you want to give to anyone that's considering he, a career he's in certified on twitter Cert, I think. yeah I'm, I'm oh I'm, that's I'm right verified. the blue that's check right. mark yeah. Ooh, the, boy. There, there are some perks to working in the news the compensation is not one of them um the advice I would give to anyone trying to get into the news business is to never say no to an opportunity. Say, I don't care if you're going to go get coffee for somebody. I don't care if you're going to make copies. If you just say yes to everything, it's sooner or later you're going to get some opportunities no one else is going to get. You're going to learn everything about the newsroom or the station or wherever you're at. And, and the more you know about how things work, the more valuable you're going to be to where you are. So... Um, interning is a great way to get started you can start figuring out kind of what path in news you want to take you want to be on air do you want to produce do you want to be a photographer you know all of those things and then you know from that point it's the news business is is, is a small community um you need making connections and relationships and um honestly it's 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 it, you get you the more you sweat the more you work the more things become available to you. I it took me a very long time, but at the end of this run, I was doing thirty-minute specials, kind of on my own because I had that the the bandwidth and the leeway to do that, and people and people in power trusted me to, to make it happen, right? But that took me years to do and 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 years of learning how to do it. And so, um, if any but if anybody's listening to this and is interested in getting in the news, please reach out. Um, at Sean Gallitz, S-E-A-N-G-A-L-L-I-T-Z, Twitter or Instagram uh, is probably best. And 
if you remember my full name at Gmail, you can email me too. But I'm I didn't get where I got without a lot of help and standing on other people's shoulders and you got to have allies and, and people to fight for you in the news business and um, I'm happy to help anybody on that journey because uh, we need as many good journalists as we can possibly get. Drop in jewels, Sean. And we'll, we'll throw your, your handles in the in the Twitter and the IG post. Yeah. And uh, you know what I'm Let's saying? Get get one of them headshots from you. Uh, five eight so, one fifty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He's got his own pad. He's pushing the stack. Are you really only five eight? You seem taller. Wow, person. Paris. It's his Damn. persona. Oh, uh, I it's don't know. My intellect. Yeah, my intellect is it, taller than five eight. It's his intellect like everyone, is girthy. <laughs> everyone says the five eleven or six one, but you know. Nah. I got I a standing desk and, and got to 5'8", just posture. That's a, that's nice. a true story. Gravity can't do shit Mm-mm. to my man. Wait, you- <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I don't know how tall people are because I don't care because I'm 5'4", so we're, I just really We're all sure. the same height laying down, so. <laughs> you're, height, yeah. you're height blind. I love that about I'm you, Paris. I'm height blind. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, I don't care how tall you are. I just care how... Fucking good at writing journalistic stories. <laughs> Ooh, I didn't know where that was going, cry? but I like that. That's a good lead. Did you cry? Did you turn your camera around? Did you cry for realsies? Listen, if you can write a good lead. Uh, you know what I heard? That I heard that you have to bury the lead. Get it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, Get it? I didn't okay, want to. No. I thought I'd leave that out there because I liked it. That, that was good. Oh, was boy. Yeah. She She's good at throwing to commercial <laughs> or the end of the show. So that's what this yeah. is. The end of the show. Sean, thanks so much. This for was awesome. Us. Uh, we, yeah, we feel really lucky to have you, you know, coming out of this this 10 years and mm-hmm. going into something new. We're very excited to see where you go. Obviously, we're you know, besties, the three of us. So I'm not worried about you because I know you and I know that you're going to crush whatever the fuck you do. But, uh, you know, again, it's, it's, it's interesting to talk to someone who comes from this world because there's a lot of mystique, I think about it. And this film does a great job of kind of pulling back the curtain, like you mentioned, but also, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a good look in because this is the eighties and now we're in 2021 and it's a little different. So Mm -hmm. yeah, good to get your take of course it holds up better than you'd think um i think that ringer article talking about how it predicted mm. things is is spot on i think there's a lot of through mm. lines you can you can you can pull from it i would just thank you guys both for having me and letting me be you know yeah. do it but my advice to anyone trying to get the best information possible and, and, and inform themselves is don't trust anyone's source make sure yeah True make that. sure you know you know vet vet your sources and ask ask questions be curious and i guarantee you you will find even if you don't like the answer you'll find the answers and you know what facts are facts are the facts so we can't argue with that um even if some people would like to so um yeah i appreciate you guys wise words from sean Galitz. appreciate you play we appreciate you. I heard you uh, let David on a, a piece, so we'll plug that too, because uh, I didn't get asked to be on a piece for uh, CBS, so you know, <laughs> just a little bit butthurt about it. It's fine. It's fine. Um, no, thanks for coming on the show. David. Yes, so, you going to ask me something? 
What are you asking? <laughs> I'll ask you something. <laughs> oh. You should check your fridge. And make sure that milk ain't spoiled. Because gross milk is gross. I just realized that wasn't a question, so I don't know what the fuck <laughs> we were talking about. More of a statement. Yeah. But thank you for listening. Again, shout out to all of our new listeners. We love you. We appreciate you. Um, we're excited to bring you some more guests uh, of the mm. Sean Gillett's caliber. Some exciting things happening this month. Stay tuned. But for now, that's it. Goodbye. Bye. Bye, bitch. Bye. And we're clear. Yeah. We're clear.